Hello, and welcome back to a classic one-to-one interview on the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast. Russell Ailes is a former recruiter, HR professional, and job search coach that helps candidates land the perfect job. Russell has seen talent acquisition from all angles. He has 15 years experience across agency, internal recruitment, HR, and coaching in the creative, digital, and retail space. Today, we discuss how recruiters and job seekers in general can improve their CVs, interview performance, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles, and much more. Excellent. Hello, hello. Yes, Russ. Hi. How are you? you? (laughs) Very good. And you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's uh, it's been interesting, sort of following your your development from, let's say, the more HR recruitment type type responsibilities to to full fledged, fully fledged job search coach, right? So, and I've I've had a few awesome discussions with people that sort of specialize in this area. So, it's always a pleasure to speak with individuals such as yourself because, well, basically, you're 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 helping people out there, especially in these tough times where. It's very necessary to get the right advice, whether it's on your CV, your interview process, or or looking for the ideal role, or how to look for the ideal role. And I think, especially, I mean, I'm speaking for myself because I'm I'm a recruiter, but I'm also open to opportunities, looking for the next role. So uh, I think, especially for us recruiters, it's especially uh, a very good moment to to at least brush up on these things because, as you as you can imagine. People would expect us to be very good at this, but I actually think, I mean, when it comes to writing a CV or or preparing for an interview, us, I mean, I can prepare a candidate, sure, but but man, when it comes to us, I mean, we're we're not the absolute best at taking care of ourselves, I would say. Well, I think I think that goes for any kind of industry. I think it's always hard practicing what you preach when it comes to yourself. I personally don't like writing my own CV. I, I never have. I find it so much easier when I'm helping other people. You can be a lot more objective. It's a bit like, um, you know, it's a bit like going to the gym when you have to do it yourself. It seems like a chore, but if you actually have a bit of a, a bit of accountability, say you hire a personal yeah. trainer or you're booking in booking in a session with somebody you have to turn up to, you put more effort into it. So I, I think it's almost that accountability and that fresh pair of critical eyes because writing about yourself in in any sort situation is really difficult so um yeah i don't don't blame recruiters if if they feel they're particularly bad at writing their own cv as well because i think it's it's a difficult thing to do and i think it's it makes it a lot easier if 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 you're looking at it with kind of neutral eyes and yeah you know i I came from 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 that background completely i started off in a recruitment agency i mean well january january 2005 just after christmas i started off at fashion retail personnel um uh in in, in london and i spent almost seven or eight years in in agency uh then then moved in-house to Mothercare. i uh, did their retail recruitment there had the contract at brit big then moved to house of fraser a uh, big in-house role there great great opportunity there and then went into contracting so did a uh, did a bit of contracting at asos or the travel immediate media so the in-house experience is probably about sort of eight years as well so you know i feel, I feel like i've got a lot, lot of recruitment experience a lot of i've seen a lot of great things and you know a lot of not so great things and i'm trying to pass on i guess my kind of knowledge to to job seekers because i've always i've always felt there's a kind of i guess a kind of market lacking actually helping job seekers because you have agencies and you know agencies do their job extremely well they they, they find candidates for their clients their clients are the companies that are you know hiring them paying them five ten sometimes twenty thirty thousand pounds to 
to, to find in that perfect candidate. But their first port of call is not necessarily that improvement or duty of care to that candidate. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying they, they purposely set out to give a poor experience, but you know, they can't look after all the applicants, all the applicants that apply for the jobs that they advertise. Um, they're only going to focus on those one, two or three candidates that they want to put in front of their client. And even then, are they really kind of looking at their CV or, or their interview technique and spending, you know, hours helping them preparing the best way? Probably not. It's left to that candidate still. So I, I personally believe there's a big a, a big gap in the market to, to actually just help people, help them understand what you know, what does a good CV look like? What should my LinkedIn profile look like? How do I write a cover letter or, or approach somebody on LinkedIn? What's what's the best way to do that? And then when, when you get an interview. And that's how do I prepare properly for that? How do I answer the questions in there? What questions are going to come up? How do I react to this or that? So I guess I'm just using my my experience to now try and, you know, help people because I may be in this position myself because I lost my job right when COVID started um, when I was at General Pants over here in Sydney. And, um, you know, the first thing I thought was, right, I want to keep myself busy. I want to keep my finger on the pulse. I've had this, you know, I had this idea for a business for a long time. And it was one of those things I thought, well, do you know what? Just give it a go. Just, just do it because there's plenty of people out there that need, you know, need need a bit of guidance through this minefield, which is a job search at the moment. So, yeah, I guess that's how I got to where I am now. It's funny you mentioned writing about yourself as as something that's tough. And this is maybe an odd question to begin with, but you ever seen those LinkedIn profiles or CVs that they talk about themselves in the third person perspective? I knew you. Like, <laughs> <I knew> you. <laughs> um, like, what do you think about like, like, so, so, you know, those profiles where it's like, like, for example, if I were to introduce myself on LinkedIn, it's like, hi, I'm Jose, I'm an internal recruiter. But some people introduce themselves as Jose is an internal recruiter and a very experienced professional, like, What's up with that? What like what do you think about that? Like, is that is the third person perspective useful? I mean, what do you think? Russell is not very impressed when somebody uses a third person. <laughs> um, look, yeah, do you know do you know where do you know where I see it most actually uh, is the kind of real senior senior people. Those, yeah. those real execs tend tend to take that approach, and I don't know if they want to make it seem like. I'm too busy to write my own LinkedIn profile, so I've got someone to do it, and they're writing about me. But I, I think it's um, no, it, it's not for me. Look, I think I think on a CV, you know what? There's two different schools of thoughts. I, I personally don't mind having the I or or you know that that kind of wording on, on a CV or that kind of absent first person, if you know what I mean. So, you, so you're not yeah. talking to yourself in the third person, but you're talking to yourself in the first person, but not using that kind of I language but look i think especially with linkedin it's like so any social media now is personal everything is so personal and linkedin is is moving so much more towards that kind of facebook instagram um I, I guess kind of channel in terms of what people are just posting what people are sharing and it's a very very over the last you know what three four months it's turned into such a personal um space for people to talk about their job search or the trials and tribulations they're facing so people want to land on your linkedin page and not only kind of think Right, uh, you know, here's Russell. He's worked for, you know, he's worked for ASOS, General Pants, and House of Rose. They, they, they want to get a feel for, for who you are as well. So even if that's just, you know, things like your banner image, get something a bit personal. Get, you know, you can be so creative on there using Canva, even, even with the free account. Or, you know, that about me, you've got to tell a story there, you know, tell, tell them what makes you passionate, why you love what you do, but, or, you know, also making it very relevant to, to the role that you're doing or, or did and, and what you're looking for. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the third person in any kind of 
sense of, of any document. I'm trying to think where it would be acceptable. It's only acceptable if somebody's writing an article on you. And LinkedIn yeah. is not somebody write, writing an article on you. So, you know, you're not, you're not that important. Yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's 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 true that it's mainly sort of the more senior profiles or or I think personally I've seen it's more people that have this very sort of they're their own boss, their own person, their own um, you know, sometimes even coaches I've seen right in the third person. It's a very unusual one. So I don't know. I personally I mean I wouldn't reject a candidate that that wrote about themselves in their CV or LinkedIn in the third person. But I, I would see it as, ooh, we're going to be engaging with a bit of a tough character here because, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's it, it, it almost says something about you, doesn't it? It's almost like you, you think, you know, it's like you think that person's elevating themselves into, into something or the kind of perception of themselves is, is perhaps warped. I don't, I, I don't know. But look, the, the, even the fact that we're questioning it now and yeah. saying to each other, hmm, not really sure about this, what is it? You know, you don't want to have any kind of question marks around anything when it comes to a job search, whether that's your CV or LinkedIn profile. So do you know what, if you agree or disagree with it, but obviously there's people that think, mm, that's, yeah, that's you know, it's a little bit weird. So yeah, so you know, if, if don't do something. If, if you think there's potentially going to be question marks there, then it's probably best to avoid it. So one question. So can you give us a, and you sort of did it already, but a broad introduction to to I believe it's both sides of the desk, right? So it sort is of both you, sides of the desk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, can you give us an introduction to what it is, what you do, maybe types of candidates you've you've helped in the past, just an introduction to get to know you better. Yeah. So I guess the name is what it is. Although I, I have a lot of my friends tease me about it. They say, you know, what, what side of the desk are you on today, Russell? It's, uh, <laughs> but I guess, but what I wanted to get across was kind of look. I've been on both sides of the desk. I've I've been a job seeker. Obviously, I've been a job seeker. I've had Oh, I, can't, I don't know, maybe sort of 10, 11, 12 roles in my career, um, mainly because the back end, I said the back end of my career, but the back end of my career in London, I contracted um, because I knew I was moving over to Sydney. So I wanted that kind of flexibility and also I wanted that broad experience. But, you know, I, I know how tough it is as a job seeker, but then also I've been on the other side of the desk, not just as an agency recruiter, which is a slightly different mindset to an in-house. I've, I've been the in-house recruiter. I've even worked in HR, I've been the HR manager. So I, I, I've kind of, I've seen things from all different angles and I've seen all the considerations that go, you know, they're going to place and, and are sort of taken when, you know, when hiring or, or looking for a job. So that's, that's where the name sort of comes from. But like I did sort of touch on before, I, I created this business because, you know, it sounds corny, but I, I genuinely want to help people. And I, and I really think, and doing this job has only made me, more kind of confirmed in my belief but people really struggle when it comes to job search and people really struggle when it comes to their cv when it comes to their linkedin profile and just how to really showcase themselves in the best light and market themselves and not only that how to apply for for, for jobs and how to apply for jobs being very specific and being able to kind of manipulate as it sounds wrong but you know kind of slightly change your, your cv for each role so you make your highlights the right things and understanding what to see in that job ad or description to then alter the the, the, the uh, CV on. So um, that, that's kind of where the business came from. And it, it started kind of quite slowly the first couple of weeks as any business would, but it's just been unbelievable the past kind of three or four weeks. It's, you know, been unbelievably busy. Um, 
I give out a lot of advice for, for free, not only on my, my LinkedIn post, so I'm trying to kind of help people, give some free advice, but just people getting in contact with me. I might have a half an hour call with them. They don't go ahead and take the service sometimes because they just wanted to talk and bounce some ideas with me. That, that's absolutely cool. You know, I, yeah. I don't mind that. Um, but yeah, then, I've been, you know, I, I obviously do help people and help them rewrite their CV, work on their LinkedIn profile. Um, I've done a few interview coaching sessions as well. And it's, it's really rewarding because when you know when when I hear somebody's got an interview or, or, or got a job, um, you know, and, and they're thanking me and just kind of you know things like that. It, it, it's a really rewarding um, job as well. But you also hear so many sad stories as well. You hear so many so many people that have been laid off or or you know whatever due to COVID over the past few months, and people that are just applying for jobs, not hearing anything back, getting ghosted by recruiters. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's demoralising for, for these guys as well. So I'm just trying to help, I guess. Yeah, for me, it was just, it was weird because overall I thought, okay, so I'm relatively young. I don't have a family to take care of. I have, I have a little bit of savings, this and that. So I can, I can wait a little bit, but then I also started to hear stories like, oh, there's people losing their business. They need, they're feeding families. They need, they need a, they, they're struggling to maybe keep a roof over their head, that sort of stuff. So it really becomes real when you start getting hit with those stories, right? Where it's, it's, it's serious, you know? Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely real. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, there are some people that are in slightly better sort of situations that, than others. There's perhaps people with families and, or maybe they're, they're the sole breadwinner, you know, they're, they're yeah. the person with a job and, you know, they're trying to support a family and, you know, this happens and, um, you know, look, I'm, 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 I'm not, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not too proud to say the same happened with us, you know, my, myself and my wife, she also lost her job, um, you know, I think it's literally a week after I did. So luckily there's sort of things out there, like over here in Australia, the banks have been really good. So we're, we were able to put the, uh, the, the mortgage on hold for, for six months. And, you know, I've been focusing on, on this business. She's just um, landed a new job, actually, that she starts um, next week. So, cool. You know, things things are getting a little bit better. So that you know, that was obviously great. But you know, I, I understand what what it's like. We'd literally just moved into a new house over here. We'd be living with her, with her parents um, after we moved here, which was this time last year. And yeah, I think it was like the first. It's like the first week in April, moving into this lovely new house we bought. Um, and literally that week before, I was made I was made redundant, and then she was as well. Like you know, the week after we moved here, so. You know, I, I completely get where people are coming from when they're feeling kind of desolate and uh, and stressed out because of the job search. And, you know, that that just fuels me to to try and help people and you know do what I can just to help them show their their best selves in all these situations. Yeah, one of the ways that I see you you support people out there is mainly the CV writing piece. So I wanted to get into how you approach that when supporting candidates that are looking for roles because naturally cv writing is a tricky thing i mean there's out there it's not there's some guidelines there's do's and don'ts but it's not like regulated or anything i mean there's no absolute one way of doing it right so what's the best way that you've seen that that really helps candidates in and just just writing the perfect cv yeah, you're right. And, you know, I guess I guess there's not just one way of doing it, although I approach it like in, in one kind of way. Everyone's different. So you're, you're kind of, um, you know, and I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of creative people as well, just because my background 
kind of being sort of head office retail and yeah, it's the sort of buyers, merchandisers, but also the kind of creative guys as well. So it gives me an opportunity to think about different ways to portray information. But look, ultimately, ultimately you want a, a clean, crisp document that looks easy on the eye where the, the, the right things are standing out. So, you know, people often say, well, it can't be more than one page, two page, three pages. There's kind of proof in that because it shouldn't be more than kind of three, four pages, even if you're very, very experienced, because arguably your experience, you know, 10, 15 years ago, is it that important that you need to have kind of 10 to 15 bullet points explaining what you did in that role? Probably not. It's like most, you know, it's a more recent experience. But the, the kind of, the kind of, I guess, flow I go for is a, a short kind of intro. And that's, some, I think that's somewhere where you can kind of, mix up a bit of your you know personality and profession it's it's, it's it's for me it's the intro to a document rather than just start you know a, a cold start with a name this is a company I, I last worked at achievements this and that it's just that softer start and then you can go into a few kind of skills and but i, I don't like these kind of lists of skills especially when it's communication and leadership they're, <laughs> they're, they're just not very tangible you know put that throughout your cv explain how you're a great leader in those achievements and responsibilities don't just say I've got really great leadership skills, communication skills. But for example, you might have a little skill section towards the top if your role is very systems based or um, product focused. Maybe say you're a buyer, you might want to list the product areas. So, you know, there's a few ways you can, you can do something a bit different there. And then, you know, for me, it's quite simply about talking, then, you know, going into the last person you worked for, starting off with those key achievements. What are those impacts that you made in that last business that? that you made, you know, anyone can come in and fulfill this job description, but what did you do in that position there? How did you increase sales? Or, uh, you know, if you're a recruiter, how did you improve time to hire? How do you, how did you improve candidate experience? Okay, so you're, you're a part of implementing that new ATS system. You know, t tell us a bit more about it, because that, that's a proper project, you know, what, why did you do it? Why did you source a new ATS? How did you do it? What was the outcome? You know, what was the benefit of, of, it, of implementing that ATS? And then go on to your responsibilities, talk about, you know, they need to be there because, Recruiters are going to look at your CV and, and kind of think, right, can they do the day-to-day? -day? It's great that you've made an impact. That's brilliant. That's a massive, massive tick. Yeah. And also, I need to know if you can do a day-to-day. -day. So, for example, you know, this is a talent acquisition manager job. It's managing five people, right? They've managed a team of five, coached this coach as they've been in these situations. Um, this is recruiting for all digital roles. Okay, they've recruited, you know, PHP, front-end, back-end. This is, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of that tick list. And this is a part as well you know, just uh, responsibilities that you can then make sure you're talking that same language and matching it up to the job description. So even something as simple as they might call it a PHP developer, somebody else call it a front end, front end. I don't want to get all these digital, digital experts now telling me they are completely different jobs, but I think they're roughly the same. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> but for example, you know, but say the company calls it one thing and you're calling it something slightly different. Call it the same thing that they're calling it. Make it easy for that recruiter to sit in there because that recruiter is going to have spoken to the hiring manager and they're going to have a list of maybe five things that are non-negotiable. So they have to have, again, let's use a recruiter for an example. They're going to have to recruit these areas. They're going to have to have done, you know, this, 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 and match it up to your experience. And not only match it up, just make sure those, those bullet points are towards the top as well. So it's one of the first things they see. You know, there's lots of simple steps that people can take just to make sure that that document, that CV is looking, you know, really, really good. So for me, it's about cleanness. You know, as little information as possible, because the less information you have, the more the right stuff is going to stand out. Nice, you know, lots of white space, so it doesn't look all crowded. You know, it's no, no small fonts, just a really nice document that somebody looks at. The right things are, you know, popping out to the eyes quickly, because, you know, it's, it's very true that people say, 
a recruiter is going to look at your CV to, what's it, six to eight seconds. Uh, and that is true, because that six to eight seconds is probably first. It's going to be scanning the companies and the positions, isn't it? So it's going to be like, right, Jose's worked for Talent Boy, he's done this, he's, he's recruited, you know, he's been at this level, worked for these companies, recruited these positions, right? That's in that six to eight seconds. Now I'm going to read on because I'm seeing. I'm seeing what I like. So now I'm going to read on. And that's, you know, that's when you're, so firstly, your CV has to stand out for them to scan it, see, see what they need to see. Great. I've seen it. Read on. Then it's got to be written really well. Those achievements have got to be, you know, I can't, the amount of times I've seen, you know, just improve, improved sales in my area or, or something like that. It's like, well, that, you know, that, that's just not enough. You know, how did you do it? What was the benefit? What was the outcome? How, you know, how much did sales increase by, you know, getting into that kind of nitty gritty, but then the skill is, because what I ask them to do is send it to me saying, right, this is how you structure an achievement. I want you to send them to me, email them over to me. And I often get massive paragraphs of what they did. And <laughs> the, hard, the, hard, the hard thing for me is I'm getting it down to that kind of two-liner that is impactful. So the reader still understands, you know, what the issue was, what was done about it, and what the outcome or benefit was. And, and that's just so important, you know, those, those achievements. So um, I felt like I rambled a bit there, but I think I covered that. Yeah, it's such a, it's almost an art, right? Because obviously, someone's been working maybe three, five, seven years, they got all this story they're carrying, they got all this information. But then recruiters, on the other hand, they're in a rush or hiring managers are in a rush, they're getting tons of applications. So they don't have all the time to go through that many pages and invest that much time and reading your CV. So you got to sort of know how to put it in a compact, short, but impactful way, right? And I think there's one interesting thing you mentioned, which is just almost the space optimization in your CV, right? So I've also seen that where it's like, oh, I have this whole blank sort of space that there's nothing in there. And there's this fluff, a lot of fluff that I'm writing that is maybe irrelevant. You especially see that when you get someone else to look at it. It's like, wait, you're go- going on about this experience, but what do you mean by that? And then it's like, well, I'm not entirely sure. Or, oh, this achievement, but what's? it's not really an achievement. It looks more like a responsibility, right? Um, that's another thing. Like a lot of people confuse achievements with just regular yeah. responsibilities, you know? So that's, yeah, yeah. So that's also a tricky one. And you mentioned something interesting, which was just almost make it measurable. Like, okay, you increase sales or you improve time to hire or you recruited engineers, but exactly like how many and in what sort of period of time. So that's also one important thing that we can see more of in, in, in CVs generally. Yeah. And you know, it, it is tough sometimes because, you know, an, an achievement isn't always as simple as, increase sales by 12% or, yeah. or, you know, decrease, you know, time by, by, by this, um, you know, I've, I've had it before where it's been, well, my achievement was I was only in the role for a year, then I, I got promoted. So they, they, they put their achievement as was promoted to this position. And so I sort of said, well, how is that an achievement? Um, you, you know, help me understand it because then you, you know, you've got to talk, well, it's not about, that was the outcome. So, yeah. how, you know, what, what did you actually do? So what, what made you so great in your position? that you got you got promoted and then we actually got i think three achievements out of that conversation because rather than just being my 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 achievement was being promoted from you know assistant manager to manager we actually then got down into well this is what i did in that year i did this project did this did this and there were some really fantastic achievements that they had just put down as oh i got promoted 
So sometimes it's just people just need a bit of help sort of understanding how to pull those achievements out of their experience as well, because everyone's got them. Um, but the thing is, people are so, you know, it's like people, we, we hate to big ourselves up, don't we? And especially then to do that on paper is, is a very difficult thing. So I, I think it sometimes helps to, to have somebody to say to you, no, that's, that's good, that's great. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that in more detail. Tell me exactly how you did that. Right, I'm gonna write this for you because I think that's brilliant. So let, let me do it, don't worry about it. I think that, I think people, you know, often like that. So yeah, I, th I think I've seen that before. Well, here's a challenge. Here's a maybe <laughs> maybe a tricky scenario because Let's say you're you're a recruiter. Let's say you're working a sales sales job where the 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 metrics are sort of quite you know you got hard metrics to 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 sort of measure you against. But how do you help someone where the achievements they're very they're they're not good? Let's say right. Let's say you're helping a sales executive for a software company, and last year their their sort of you know their achievements was like they hit sixty percent of their their goal their sales target. And this year they're only at forty percent of their their sales target. I mean that's and then now they're like, oh, I'm risking being re made redundant, and and I'm looking for a new role. But obviously, la the last year or two haven't been incredibly good on my on my CV in terms of achievements. How do you guide someone through that? Because that's where it gets tricky, right? There's always an achievement somewhere. So it might be a case that. Um, yeah, they've only hit 60% of their target or, or their sales haven't increased from last year. But then how does that compare against the rest of the company? You know, it's, yeah. a, whole com it's a whole company down 20%, but your sales were only down 10%. But that's, Interesting, that's an achievement. yeah. That's yeah. an achievement. That's still an achievement there. Did you help in any other process? Were, were there any, uh, any process um, kind of improvements that you're involved in? Anything that saves time? Do you pick up new clients? There's always, there's always things that you can pull out. You know, I, I don't believe that anybody's kind of that bad at their job that they honestly can't think of something that they're really proud of or something they helped. And it just often takes that conversation and kind of trying to open their mind to, oh, well, like, you know, because you'd often get, oh, well, I did do this. And you're like, well, no, no, that's great. Tell me more about it. Tell me more. And then they start to talk about it. They get more passionate about it. And you're like, yeah, this is it then. This is one of them. So, yeah, look, you, you can't pull achievements out of thin air. You can't make something up. Yeah, uh, 100%. Even, even there might be negative, like if you're a recruiter and you haven't hit your targets that year or, or this and that, you know, like I said, start to look at the comparables. Okay, well, again, against what other people did, how did you do? Um, did you bring on any new clients? Did, um, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? So there's plenty of things to look at. You know, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's easier with some people than others. There's some people that have got really fantastic achievements, really tangible ones that you can put figures to, because figures are always great. I mean, if you see figures and achievements, it's, you know, it's a godsend because anyone understands plus 20% is good. That's good. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter if I understand what you do. If you were plus 20% against target or against the sales target, everyone knows that's good. But there's a lot of people where it's so much harder to kind of, on the surface, understand what their achievements are. But you always get there in the end if you start to probe and speak to people, which, which is why I do that. And I know, because um, I'm part of a few, actually, I call them resume writing groups because I'm over here in Sydney, um, on, on Facebook, actually. And a lot of people seem to kind of just get somebody online, say to them, oh, can you help with a CV? They send them a questionnaire and then they rewrite. And I just think, how can you actually do that? Because you need to, you need to speak to somebody. You need to get underneath their skin and understand yeah. them. And it, it's, it's so important to do that for, for that exact point you've just said, because sometimes you, you might look at a CV and think, how am I going to pull achievements out of this? Or 
asking, you know, just asking, send them a questionnaire or something. You, you need to speak to people. It's, it's, it's so important. Yeah, I mean, a CV doesn't tell the whole story. So you really need to, to, to dig deep down and ask, well, coming back to that sales executive. Okay, so the, the sales were looking too incredible, but was there a lot of new business development type work going on? Because obviously if it was just account management and a lot of recruiters see this, right? And especially, I mean, I think we're coming to agency recruiters right now, but a lot of people, a lot of recruiters out there, they need to start just with business development right now. Um, mm. in order to get their 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 first piece of business right or maybe for internal recruiters right now it's all about setting the foundation for what you said the ats system filling out scorecards creating job descriptions things that are not like oh i hired 10 people in the last quarter okay it's not exactly that but i did set up the foundations for what was coming next, which is the future hires that we're going to make, right? And that's also a, a softer achievement, but I think equally just as important right now. Yeah, you're bound to there. You know, anything else you, you, you were involved in, like you said, rewriting job descriptions, you know, doing anything like that. I think, um, what was I just thinking of? Um, it's, it's, it's gone from my mind now, but I just, uh, uh, that's it. So, yeah, I, I remember one of my, I still remember this from writing my CV years ago, actually. And I was thinking, I've, you know, when I was an agency, I, I wasn't one of the top fillers. I, I was, I, I always did okay. I always did well, kind of in the middle somewhere. Um, you know, it, it was fine. But then there were things like, I used to dig into my own data because back then maybe I don't know if they report better on it now. But I sort of digged into it and I looked at all the new clients and compared it to other people's new clients. And I brought on um, a brand called International, this this um, retailer, so very kind of value women's wear retailer. Um, I don't know if they're still about. They might be. But I actually worked out myself that they were the best performing client of that year. I think it's like 2008 or something. They were our best performing new clients. You know, our best performing client our best performing new client. So that was done as one of my achievements on my CV. I brought on board the best performing new client of 2008. Yeah. So there's always things you can find and pull from. Um, you know, sometimes you like grasping at straws, but you know, there's always something you can find. You just need to, to kind of talk about it and get more information from, from someone. You know, like I said, I, I never truly believe that somebody, even if they think they're bad at their job, they're, they're, they're not, they've done some great things. Um, so yeah, you can always pull things from somewhere. Absolutely. Now let's move the, the discussion to, to, to the world of LinkedIn because I've been getting into, into LinkedIn a lot more since, well, starting my job search, but also with the podcast. And, yeah, um, you, you, you're, you're a bit of an influence now, aren't you? I've seen, you've seen your uh, recent posts. You know, I you're mean, getting a lot, you're getting a lot of engagement. It's well, a really good posts. That's why. Yeah. That it's tricky because I mean, there I sort of see there's two types of posts. You can either do a post that appeals to a broad, but very nebulous or maybe uncommitted audience where it's a lot of random people sort of agreeing, or you can mm. do a very targeted post where it's like, okay, I'm only targeting this very niche sort of audience. And I only want to speak to, to that audience and, and my audience, I mostly try to target internal recruiters. Right. So, I mean, there's, it's, there's, I think likes is more of a, a vanity metric almost right now, yeah. because I mean, if my goal is to grow the podcast and I get 200 likes, that's not going to achieve any, like my, my, my listens aren't going to get an uptick or anything, you know, but it, I mean, I get a lot of people like, Oh, that's cool. You know, they comment on that, but 
sometimes you got to be a bit more 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 targeted and uh, and one thing that that was a bit of a debate was um and it's sort of currently a bit of a debate is the green ribbon uh on on yeah. linkedin yeah. i guess this is just a two part question but sort of starting with linkedin right so how how do you sort of craft the, the a good looking linkedin profile um so that attracts the right roles and 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 maybe looks good for recruiters and then yeah, moving into the ribbon, like, uh, but first the, the, the LinkedIn profile, what's the best way of crafting that? Yeah, you know, LinkedIn profile is something I will say that is and can be potentially a little bit different for, I say a little bit, it can be very different for, for each person. Because for me, LinkedIn is so much more creative. It, it's yeah. your brand. This, this is your personal brand. So you've got to make it kind of talk about you. But when, you, when you're job seeking, it's a slightly different thing because I guess, you know, look, the most important thing is that you want to get picked up by recruiters, don't you? So, um, you know, unless recruit, uh, LinkedIn recruiter has changed in the past five months, which I doubt it hasn't, oh, sorry. Um, there, there's certain things that they're going to be searching for to bring up people. So there might be a lot of instances for a lot of jobs at the moment where a, uh, companies aren't going, or even agencies, they're not going to maybe advertise them because they're getting so much response. It's so time consuming going through 300 responses where maybe only 10% of them are anywhere near suitable. So, you know, logic tells me, and also a bit of experience from what I've seen, is that they're going to start just putting together projects. They're, they're going to start approaching candidates themselves, drawing up short lists, and yeah. probably based on people that they, they know are out of work um, because they know that they're looking and there's lots of really good people looking. So, you need to make sure you're going to come up in those searches. So, you know, you've got to think what are the most searchable areas. So, you know, stuff like location, that's fine. You know, that's not going to change. But I'd say if you lived in a town 20 miles outside of London, um, like I did, I lived in Hitchin in Hertfordshire. I wouldn't put Hitchin as where I lived. I'd put London, I'd put London because that, that's yeah. where I looked for a job. And that's where all the jobs are. So put London. Um, but that's a simple thing. But then it's, you know, then it's going to be the job title. So, for example, I'm going to use something that is very comfortable with me. I used to recruit a lot of buyers. So I'm looking for a buyer for menswear, for jersey, let's say. So the next thing I'm going to search for is a job title. So I might be searching for a buyer, a junior buyer, a senior buyer, uh, a buying manager. Um, in, uh, I have it in the job title. I might put product in there as well. But then in the, in the keywords is where you're probably going to start to put product. So it might be branded or unbranded, but you might might be you might put in that in that search field branded or you might put jersey you might put um active wear whatever it is you know a certain part you know just those keywords that you, that you want to find and then that keyword section is then going to be searching all throughout your profile for your, for your experience so you just need to make sure you're talking about those searchable terms yeah. throughout your profile so Again, for a buyer, that is going to be the job title. It's going to be the product areas they've looked after because you're not really going to search things like leadership or, or communication or, um, you know, manage the team of five. They're not really keywords you're going to search on LinkedIn. You're going to start it with, right, I need somebody who's working at that job title. So just check your job title. Is it industry standard? You know, are, are you calling yourself a product developer just because your company says, this is what we call our buyers. We call them product developers, but you were, you know, you were a buyer in, in any other company. So change it to buyer. You know, stuff as simple as that. Make sure you're listing the product areas you've worked for, put in, you know, worked inside. Maybe even put that in your about section as well. So it's just about thinking what are those searchable areas, and then what are the words that people will search on to find me, and then get yeah. throughout your yeah. LinkedIn profile. Well, yeah, one thing in terms of job titles to avoid is those trendy, I'm sure everyone is avoiding them by now, but stuff like sourcing ninja or 
product <laughs> guru like no don't come on man it's it's 2020 you you can't be doing that it depends right? if, if, if you're looking for a job i'll avoid it if you're not call yourself what you want <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> to, be quite, to be quite honest if, if you're not looking for it but it depends if you want to be searched for still you know yeah. if, if say for example if somebody wants to search but for me they're thinking right i need someone to help me in my job search so i'll put my, my title is job search page i sometimes think should i just put my title is my job title is um CV writer, because that's probably something people will search for more. So that's the kind of decision that I think about and make as well. So I've got it in my headline, I've got it in my um, experience section, I've got it in my about section, but I'm not going to put it as my job title because I do more than that. So for me, their kind of brand visibility is more important than being picked up by people because I don't think people are going to really search on LinkedIn for that. And I've got it in, on um, what is called actually new providing services box. So I, I begged LinkedIn to give me as well. So I've got it yeah, in there. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, there's lots of decisions to make, but at the end of the day, the recruiter on LinkedIn is going to, is going to search for location, job title, a few keywords, which are going to be those specific things. So again, if you're a recruiter, what have you recruited for? Um, you know, which areas of digital, which areas of retail, which areas of tech, which areas, you know, whatever. And just make sure, you know, sort of thing. You can't, you know, you can't be everything to all men. But, you know, you sort of think, right, what are those five or six kind of real key things that people are going to search for me for? And just getting them flowing throughout your profile. Uh, I think they say sort of one to three percent density is, is your kind of sweet spot. Um, I'm not sure if LinkedIn is starting to do a Google where if it feels it's a bit spammy, it will kind of reject it. Because that's what obviously Google SEO does. What well, did start doing ages ago, didn't it? Because people just create a website and maybe even in like a white font on, on just a random page would just repeat the sort of word that they wanted to get searched for, which obviously Google being very sophisticated sees yeah. right through now. So I don't know if Google, oh, sorry, I don't know if LinkedIn is getting to that sort of point, but I think that kind of 3% um, sweet spot is, is a good one to, to aim for. Yeah, one thing that I, um, I mean, I'm not a um, an interview sort of advisor or a coach, but one thing that I've seen that helps is, let's say you pick your top, let's say three, five jobs that you've seen online that you think, oh, these are definitely jobs I'd like to apply to, or at least get noticed by, by recruiters, and then pick out the, the keywords in those um in those job descriptions. So the most yeah. used ones, yeah. the most used words, and then make sure you have those words in in your, let's say, in your in your LinkedIn really, right? So, I mean, yeah. uh, it's tough. I'm, I'm not a rec to rec. I've never recruited recruiters, but I'm wondering if recruiters, like let's say in, like an internal team that's looking for an internal recruiter, they're looking for stuff like candidate experience, employer branding, um, tech, tech recruiter, or um, maybe even in particular going deep into certain types of technologies like oh, Recruiter and Ruby or Recruiter and Python, stuff like that. Well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to they're search for it just like that. So that, that's, a, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, so it's about making sure you talk. And the thing is, a well-written LinkedIn profile and a, and a well-written CV will have the keywords in it. I think people are a lot uh, too obsessed with this kind of and it seems to be a very recent thing to, to me anyway you know about these keywords because a well-written cv or linkedin drive will have the keywords yes exactly just like you said and the same goes for your cv as well so look at the job you're applying for what are they talking about if they mention candidate experience four or five times that's bloody important isn't it because yeah. they're, they're obviously very passionate about that 
So don't, you know, do you mention it in, in your in your CV? It might be something you're passionate about, but even then start to put it in your that kind of open summary. You know, I'm an in-house talent acquisition specialist, Pas- you know, not passionate. I always say passionate, and I, that's one of the words I actually dislike because it's too overused. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, just mention that kind of experience piece in there. Mention it in, you know, it must have been one of your responsibilities where you can even say, you know, sort of managing, um, you know, 30 recs at one time um, with a particular uh, focus on, on giving a great candidate experience, put it in one of your responsibilities as well, and try and get those, you know, try and get it throughout your CV. So yeah, the, the, you know, it's exactly the same. You do it for your LinkedIn profile, you do it for for your CV for that specific job as well. But I think that's a really good point, uh, Hazel, when you're saying about you know, just ha- have a little um, search for four, five, six jobs that you think would be your perfect job, and then have that sense check. Are, are those words in, in my profile? Because if not, you're not going to get picked up for people searching for these jobs. Um, you know, searching for candidates for these jobs, I should say. Now, now let's talk about the LinkedIn profile picture, right? And the, uh, the green ribbon, because again, just coming back to that, because what I noticed is it's quite a, almost like a somewhat debatable, controversial, um, spicy topic. I mean, of all things that could be a spicy topic right now, I wouldn't expect this green ribbon thing to be such a big deal, but here's the thing. Like some people see that as, uh, as desperate, right? Like some recruiters I've, I've seen would mention that, look, this green ribbon thing, it looks desperate. You're making yourself look look desperate for a role on on LinkedIn. I mean, would you advise candidates to 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 put on the green ribbon? What are your thoughts there? Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm very neutral about it, to be honest. I, it, 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 I don't feel strongly either way. I guess what I'm thinking, so as a recruiter again, so as a recruiter, on a, especially using a recruiter license, you can search for people that are open to opportunities. So you, you flip yeah. that little tab on your profile, people, you know, recruiters know you're open to opportunities, so that's fine. Are you concerned if somebody lands on your page or sees you post that they're not going to think you're open to new opportunities unless you have a green circle around it? No. They're not going to. Do you want to make yourself more visible to people to shout, I am open to new opportunities? Okay, if you do, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I just think it's, it's a bit faddy for me. It's kind of, no, it's, it's not needed. But if you want to do it to become more visible, every time you comment or people see your profile, they know instantaneously that you're open to, not, to new opportunities. That's fine if you want to do that. What yeah. bothers me more, and I should have tested this actually. You might be able to tell me. When you change your profile picture, does it encourage you to post about it? No. Because I keep seeing the same see, I keep seeing the same posts almost worded the same way. Um, Oh yeah, there's a there's an option like it asks you, would you like to let um Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. And it and it uh, yes, exactly. And I think it pre-populates um a, a paragraph for you saying I am open to new opportunities or, or, you know, um, or I'm reaching out to my network because I'm now open to new opportunities, getting to something like that. And when I see these posts on LinkedIn, just, go, you know, going through my feed, it, it not infuriates me, but yeah, it infuriates me because it's, it's such a lazy approach to a job search to just think I'm going to just post some, you know, post something out there to say, oh, hi, I'm open to a new job. You know, everyone come and contact me if you have something. That's uh, you know that's of interest. That's yeah. not going to work. It's just not going to work. Um, so yeah, that's what I don't like about it. How it encourages a generic post that you know that that that's then meant you know expected to have 
recruiters and you know internal recruiters flocking over you just because you posted that you're out of work but no there's a lot of people out of work you've got to be so much more proactive and targeted in your approach rather than just posting i'm out of work that's fine i think my if you're you know if your ex-colleagues going oh i'm really sorry to hear that i'm sorry to hear that yeah. Which, you know, I am truly sorry to hear that. I don't want to see anyone out of work and I'm not being mean to people that are, that are looking, that, that have done these posts because they probably don't realise it's not necessarily the, the kind of right approach to take. You know, you've got to be targeted and target, you know, these companies you want to work for when you see a role, target that hiring manager or that recruiting manager and very much like we talk about your LinkedIn profile, your, your CV. Don't just say, oh, I'm interested in, in any jobs of your company. Can you let me know if there's anything suitable? I mean, again, these recruiters are going through 200, you know, 300 CVs for each of their positions. So they really got an opportunity to look in, a, in their emails or their LinkedIn messages, look at your profile and go, oh, let me see if I've got anything for Dave or let me yeah. go and search our, our company. No, look at their company website first. Look at, the, look at the positions they have. Are you suitable for any of those? Brilliant. Go and apply for it. By all means, pop the recruiting manager a message to say, look, I'm sure you get loads of these and you're inundated, but... One is saying, I've applied for this job. This is why I'm going to be great in this job. Pick out two things that you see in that job description that are, you know, that are really relevant to you. And also, just take that extra time to look at their careers page. How are they talking about their values? Um, you know, how do they talk to their customers on social channels? And kind of trying to mirror those values and, and, and that language as well when you're interacting with, with that person. So, you know, you, you've got to be very considered in, in that kind of approach. So I guess in short, the green ribbon, that's absolutely fine. As long as it does encourage people just to think, posting an update, I've got a green ribbon, I'm open to opportunities, somebody help, it's probably not going to work, uh, work, it's going to get lost. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm also, I mean, in, in the beginning, I used the green ribbon, then I sort of removed it because I thought, you know what, I, because of X, Y, and Z reasons, I don't think it's really the right approach. I'm, I'm still, I'm still also a bit on the neutral side, but tilting towards probably not using it because and my reasoning was look i mean so i did like this 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 what's it called like a survey right on linkedin where to about 250 people answered the survey saying and they they could choose between yes the the ribbon looks no sorry I, like the question was basically oh if you're a recruiter would you what do you think about the the green ribbon and like a good 15% answered, I wouldn't approach someone with the green ribbon because it looks desperate. So, I mean, I, how do you interpret the data, right? And then I thought, you know what? Out of 100 recruiters, 15 would not approach you. And I thought, I, you know I what? I, I, I would interpret that data as 15% of people that voted on that survey uh, assholes. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. Why, why, yeah. why, why, why not approach somebody just because they've got it? You know, what, yeah. what a stupid thing to do. Because people, I'm sorry, people are desperate for work. So do you know what? Let them act desperate. You know what I'm saying about this generic update. That, that that's there to help. I, I yeah. want to help these people by saying, don't just post a generic update saying I'm looking for work. Come and help me. So they might think that's working, but it's not. Whereas saying that you're not going to approach somebody because they look desperate because of that green ribbon. I mean, grow up, come on. Yeah, that's um, that, that's ridiculous. But yeah, like you said, you, you can't take any chances in your in your job search. So if it yeah. is going to offend these this fifteen percent of people, then if you're if you're on the fence, maybe that is a reason not to do it, rightly or wrongly. I don't know. Yeah, uh, one one person commented. Well, 
would you want to uh, they commented so i'm happy if 15% of recruiters don't want to approach me because i wouldn't want to work with them and exactly. it's interesting well said that person yeah yeah because it's like in the end i mean what does that say about the company you might be interviewing with actually like let's say if you're at this company where they would reject someone for looking desperate right i mean let's say you need help one day right let's say you're like oh i need i'm struggling with this project um i'm going to put on slack hey struggling with this project if anyone has some time i'd like to discuss a few things would you i mean if the culture is like odds are you might be told you know what you look desperate we're not going to help you i mean would you be wanting to work there i guess so that was a very interesting point you know yeah well it's a really good survey to do so <laughs> i think you know it's it's, it's, re- it's really interesting what, what people think of it because i think people will have an opinion like i said i'm, I'm very much on the fence do it if you want to do it if you think it helps do it um but i guess it's, it's only just like writing open to new opportunities in your um headline which i must say i've I've encouraged people to do that before, only because it, you know, it's kind of one of those easily pick upable things. So it's just just like the ribbons. So, you know, I guess if you can do anything to make yourself more visible at, you know, at a kind of instant, then, you know, what? Why not? You know, why not do it? Um, a quick question on that point is: Is social media? I mean, do you advise candidates? in any way to use social media or personal branding as something like that they can use to, to, to get more sort of maybe exposure out there to land the role? Or would you say, you know what, focus on your applications mainly? What's, what are your thoughts? I, yeah. I, look, I, I, when, when I'm speaking to people, it's, it's, it's mainly that kind of CV writing, helping them perfect that document. Cause that is the most important thing really, you know, is that, LinkedIn is then sort of secondary to when you're job searching for, for me anyway, it's a very close second, but it's, it's kind of secondary along with other bits and pieces. But yeah, no, I think the, I think the mistake people make on LinkedIn is only messaging, um, you know, people when they want a job or only engaging in posts that are directly related to jobs, you know, just, just start to use LinkedIn and start to network because you'll soon see that you become a lot more visible and, people start to see more often start to think what well, this person actually kind of gives and posts really good interesting content in, in that field of their expertise so it doesn't matter if you're a creator or HR manager a, a buyer just start you know you can't always take you've got to give give back to the LinkedIn community post some really good content engage with other people's posts that are around your kind of industry as well and just make yourself a lot more visible on LinkedIn thank you this is a it's a kind of long-term strategy because doing that is not going to get you a job tomorrow but yeah, no. you know you'll be you'll be I'll tell you what if you start just say you've been out of work since April like maybe a lot of people have if you started doing that in April I think your, your chances of getting of having a job right now would be a lot higher so it's, it's very difficult to think well yeah that is a long game but just start doing it now never stop you know just don't always message a recruiter you know, you've seen it before where a recruiter or you know in-house or agency might put a post on LinkedIn saying like we're looking for um you know we're looking for a, an HR manager for um, you know, a, a well-known fashion brand doing this, 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 and this, and this. Um, you know, here's a link to apply, and you get people coming just like interested or look at my profile. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's such a it's such a lazy approach, and uh, yeah, it's it's just not going to work. You know, give. It's, it's it's a bit like um, 
it's been like marketing. So I've read quite a lot about marketing, especially kind of you know starting a new business. And it's all it's, it's almost like that sort of eighty twenty rule. You've got to give eighty percent of the time. You've got to give before you ask for something. So yeah. I'm not just going to post saying. I do CV writing for this much or come to me for CV writing. No, what I want to do out there is, is give people good content so they see me as somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. So I might be talking about cover letters or, or CV writing or just general job search tips or doing a video on the ATS system and you know what to listen to, what not to listen to when people try and scare you about it. Um, so you just, just give, start giving before you take. Um, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you took something out on a date, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just sit down as soon as you sat down saying, oh, do you want to come back to mine? No, you know, buy him a drink, have dinner, in, you know, interact <laughs> before that. Whether that's a good example, I don't know. But just just give, give a bit more on LinkedIn rather than just wanting to take all the time. Yeah, so absolutely. One thing that I uh, that I noticed, and it's it comes back to sort of what do you post to, to land the job? And it, I would say it kind of does help because, you know, with some of the posts that I've been doing, um, you know, I've had people, I mean, it hasn't changed anything. I'm still in processes, but I've had people come to me saying, hey, um, liked your post. If you're looking for, for X, Y, and Z role, uh, let me know we're hiring. And in the end, it's like, oh, but, you know, maybe there was a mismatch. But you know what? It kind of does work here and there. Yeah. And it. And one thing that I would add is it doesn't need to be like, you see a lot of this, you see a lot of people there, you know, there's, there's a few types, like some people are out there saying, Oh, I've, I've applied to 300 jobs, still nothing. Please uh, let me know if you have anything. Um, and that, I mean, you might get what I call like sympathy likes, you know, but I don't think, I mean, that, I don't think that quite helps. You see a lot of people, they post about, um, how to like like very technical stuff giving advice on on recruitment right like job seekers that you know recruiters that are out there and they're saying okay you're by the way your candidate experience or your employer brand you should do a b and c to improve it you know very technical stuff like giving advice which is fine but i think one area we're forgetting really and I think that's, that's, this is, this is, I think, very important is that don't forget in every interview process, there's this, the cultural stage, right? Where it's like, okay, look, forget the technical stuff on recruitment or forget the technical stuff on your coding skills. Let's talk about your values, what you like in a, in a workplace, what you dislike. And when it comes to what you like, are you, what are our values? You know, if a company is all about grit and, cooperation and and speed or or efficiency then do you value that and give me examples of of times you've 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 shown those values right and it's not technical or anything it's like wait you know in your heart of hearts do you value that and one one example that i wanted to mention is that that last post i did on that i had to drop out of a process i mean i didn't give it wasn't really it was kind of advice like Oh, you know, value. You you need to think about your long term happiness instead of getting a quick job, right? Even though times are hard, like uh, I was I was approached by one internal recruiter saying they're 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 looking to hire, um, and they liked my post and they were like, yeah, let us know if you want to talk. In the end, it was for a role in Berlin, so I was like, yeah, not looking to reload, unfortunately, at the moment. But look, you you need to post about things you like and things you care about because look if people care about the same things as you out there. Um, 
again, not saying that not leave out, leave outside the technical stuff on recruitment, but like the things you care about in a workplace, then, then people are going to, it's going to resonate with people, right? Well, yeah, exactly. You know, we want to work for a company that's got a ping pong table. Um, <laughs> or no, I think, no, but you, you, you're exactly right. And there's a certain amount that you can, you, you can do, you know, kind of looking at their careers page. Are they really talking about their values? Are, are there live examples of people talking about their, their culture and their values? Do they actually portray this, um, you know, on their social channels as well? But it's, it is really difficult. But you know, what a great question to ask in an interview. Just, you know, at, at the end of an interview, you always ask, oh, you want questions for us? Because, you know, I've, I've looked on your social channels or on your careers page. I see that your values are ABC. Can you, you know, they're, they're really, they're, they're great values. Their values are really very true to me. Can you, can you tell me about what the company does to actually make, ensure these, these values are sort of, you know, breathed and, and lived every day? Yeah. What, a, what a great question. <laughs> I'd be very, I'd, I'd be really impressed with that question if I was interviewing somebody that, and, and they asked me that. And you can get a lot from somebody's response because I've worked for, I've worked for a lot of companies and I'll tell you now, there's probably only two companies that actually sort of did what they said on the tin, as in saying, you know, these are our values and, you know, and, and their kind of culture. And they actually, everything they did, they always had these values in, in mind. And there's only two companies I've worked for that actually did that. And it was so refreshing. But, but there's something, then there's some companies I've worked for um, that they say, oh, I've, these are our values, you know, this, this, and this. But nobody, no, they, they do nothing to try and ensure that people actually consider these values and everything that's, that's done within that business. So it's easy to say that you've got these values and stand for something, but it's, it's you know a lot more difficult to actually live and breathe those but and, and that's what you've got to try and understand in that interview process which which is difficult you know do your research but also ask about it why not you know you, you need to you need to know it's the right uh, job for you but also it's, it's it's very difficult to turn down a job in this day and age even if something yeah. doesn't perhaps feel quite right you know it depends how, how wrong it feels but if you've just got a few question marks and you've been looking for a job for four months and this is ticking a few boxes it's keeping you in the industry maybe opening opening you up to new systems or skill sets or, or this or that <laughs> just say it's an interview that you've had in this you know in, in the past like, three or four months as well it's going to be very difficult to advise somebody not to take that um even if they only end up maybe lasting six months in a job because it turns out to, to be a wrong move you know i think i think anyone would understand that and, and understand that move on, on their cv as well given what's happened over the past six months and what's going to continue to happen over the past sort of six months to 12 months as well so it's a real difficult one and i, I did see your post and i think you know it, it was a great post and it's you know really strong as well and it's inspiring because you think yeah do you know what it is really important to ensure that it's going to be right for you as well but again you know the, the, the times being what they are it's very difficult to um you know, to, to turn something down, even if you think it's yeah. a little bit wrong. Yeah, yeah. If you're, I can definitely appreciate that if your back's against the wall and financially you need to make it through and this and that. So, yeah, look, just, I mean, throw, throw out, throw out the, the, I suppose, what's a good way of putting it, you know, the, 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 the values and look, yeah, yeah, obviously get, get the role, get the job, slug it out for a good three, six months. Hopefully the market will pick up sooner or later. And then by the time, it does financially you're still in a good place and then you can jump to something else exactly yeah you know it's it's it's, it's a personal choice you know you've got to yeah. decide for yourself whether you think that's that's the right thing to for you to do but no you know 
all power to you. If, if you do go down a process, you've got to know when to, to say no. It's like anything you've got to, if you know, if you know that's not going to be right, and if you can say no, and I'm talking kind of, not just mentally, you know, sort of, you know financially, if, if you can afford to say no for a bit longer and you know that yeah. is wrong, by all means. But unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people out there that, are not in, in that sort of position to turn anything down. Um, so I think, you know, not only are there a lot of people looking for job for, for, for work now, I think there's going to be a lot of people over the next 12 months as well, because there will be people that have been put into this position taking jobs that they don't necessarily think are long-term or, or right for them. So you're going to see this as a knock-on effect over the next maybe a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Now let's 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 come back to briefly. So so the the job seeking CV writing aspect because i also know you you do candidate sort of interview preparation and we touched upon yeah, that yeah. briefly here and there so just wanted to get your thoughts on well how can candidates best prepare for for interviews how do you guide them through that you touched upon a few things but just wanted to cover that one off effectively well i remember working back in agency when i first started out we used to create a candidate pack for um for people we had going for interview and it'd be loads of information and this is before all this information was so readily available but we used to put together you know information on the company information on the position the people they'd be reporting into working with you know these would be really substantial facts that's the sort of preparation you've got to do you've got to know everything about this company um i don't necessarily glass door look have a look on glass door see if there's any common themes they're talking about um you know, obviously look at LinkedIn, what people saying about on LinkedIn, what what do people that are potentially going to be working on your team look like? What do their background in the backgrounds look like? Your potential manager, what does he she? Um, you know, what, what what are they like? Just do loads of research, have a look at any news about that company as well. Um, so you've got to get yourself in that position first. But when it comes to kind of interview coaching, it's it's just really talking about, right, you know, let's look at the job description of the company. What do you think they're looking for? From your conversation so far, you know, person X, what do you think they're looking for? Okay, looking for this, this, and this, that's fine. So how are we going to talk about these things in the interview? Let's, you know, looking at the job description. Let's look at the things that are more, most likely to be talked about. But then there's also those kind of very generic questions that, that I'm, I'm, I've asked millions of times. I'm not saying they're the best questions at all, but they seem to come up a lot. It's kind of that, talk us through your CV. Um, yeah. you know, simpler <laughs> questions, but... I've had people before say, oh, where, where do you want me to start? You should know. Uh-huh. You know that, that, you're, you're, you're going to be asked a question. So know, know where you're starting, know where you're finishing. And also think about what, what are the two big, big things I want to tell them in this interview? Because you might not get a chance to tell them, you know, the, you know the, these two massive achievements that you had in, in two different companies, because the question might not come up. So you might think, right, if I'm asked about talk through my CV, I'm going to highlight these two things. So you'll start talking about I started here, did this, then moved here, moved here. Actually, then when I was in this company, I undertook this massive project to do this. This is why we did it. This is my part in it. This was the outcome. And that was great. I learned so much at this company, but then I obviously moved on to company X, um, which is a different role. You know, I enjoyed it because of this, this, and this. And actually, I was lucky enough to be part of a system and implementation doing this. And so, you know, it gives you the opportunity just to highlight a couple of things that are really relevant to, to them and what they're looking for, just in case you're not asked about it. And it's also, you know, at the end of an interview, have you got any questions for us? The amount of times I've had candidates say, oh, no, 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 I think you've answered all the questions I had. No, that, you, you don't have any questions. That's why you're saying that. I've not answered any of your questions. You're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just lazy. And have, but, you know, 
refer back to what we just spoke about, about the candidate experience one. What a great question to ask. I've seen these are your values, you know, um, A, B, C. You know, tell me how they're kind of implemented within the business. How do you live and breathe these values? Or if you're a buyer and the company talks about sustainability on their website, you might actually say, look, you know, I've seen that you've done this and this and this and this. Have you ever considered about doing this and this? You know, sustainability, I'm really passionate about that. So um, how about these? You know, just have some really relevant um, and even sort of specific questions, not just, oh, how do you like working here? Or, um, you know, why did you take the job here? Or, you know, just think, think about some really, really, I guess, kind of clever questions, just sort of things that, that, that's going to make them think, oh, right, they, they, they've done a bit of research on us, they, they know what we're doing here. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's what I'd say to that. Yeah, it's such a tricky one because basically every interviewer is different, every interview starts differently. So you're you're preparing on the one hand, it's tough because you're preparing for something you don't know too much about or what to expect. And sometimes, at least I can judge just by interviewing right now in the recruitment world is that some interviews, they start very informal, like, hey, how's your week yeah. been? How's, how's everything been? How's your search going? Um, what did they, what did you do in the weekend? But others have had that they start very like, hi, how are you? Yeah. Tell me about the placements you did. Tell me about the projects. So how many reach outs do you send out? How many, um, interviews do you book a week? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, cool. Um, you know, some it's, it's really, I suppose it's really tricky in order to prepare for an interview, but at the same time, all interviews almost, they have the same, I mean, the odds are you're going to expect the same questions here and there. Like, tell me about yourself. That's going to drop in so, at some point or maybe what do you, or, or even the questions one, like, what do you like to know about us? Like odds are 90% of the time that question is going to pop up. So there's always those very sort of often appearing questions that, you know what, they're going to, odds are they're going to prove. So just prepare for them just in case, but also I think it's a case of, okay, and this is sort of my personal experiences, have your top three sort of strengths, top three, top five strengths or experiences or achievements top of mind in case, in yeah, case you get I, asked, I think, you know? And I think there's, you know, there's also the element of just how to answer a question well, because you, you're not going to know every question that's going to be thrown at you. But it's like, I, I often use the, the, you know, the star method whenever you're talking, you know, explaining a project or something you're involved in, you know, about the situation, task, action, result. So there are certain practices and yeah. things you can kind of have in mind and think about, um, you know, when answering any question. But then there's also, like we're just saying, that there's questions that, there's probably a list of 10 I could write for you where at least three or four will come up in the interview. I'd be surprised if they, if they didn't. So, you know, if you do get those opportunities to, to practice and then, then why not, you know, like, like talk to your CV again, whether they position it like that, it might just be, you know, tell us about yourself, tell us about your work history, this or that. They're, you know, nine times out of 10, there's going to be a question that's, that's framed, some, something like that. Now, just on a, just on a final point to, to wrap up, uh, Russell, but I know we, you know, in the in sort of the recruitment world right now, and in the job application world, ATS systems are also a bit of a weird, of all things that can be a hot topic, right? Also, ATS systems are part of the debate right now, and there's at least you see a lot of these gurus, right? Like, like, like I guess what's a good way of putting it? Like, I don't know, like people trying to sell snake oil almost by saying, you know what, the ATS system 
is the one rejecting you. Here are the top tricks to get past the ATS system. Like, I suppose, what's that all about? Oh, how can we clarify? Don't, 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 don't get me started. <laughs> I've seen so, like you said, it, you know what, that's such a good way to put it. It's, it's an insane coil. I'm not going to name any names because it's not very professional. (laughs) One of the largest kind of, what seems to be the largest kind of career coaching businesses is the same person shared an image of their ATS compliance CV, which looked absolutely awful. It was just full of text and it looked like a kind of legal document. Um, <laughs> but look, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so glad there's because there's people because I always talk from experience. Yeah, I, I've used twelve or fourteen different ATS systems, so you know I, I know how they work. They're, they're not going to rule you out because you, you're not saying the right words enough times. They're not going to you know the the computers the bots aren't out to get you. They're not screaming your CV. And AT, an ATS, an applicant tracking system, most of the time it is just used to move candidates through a process. So you, you're applying to it. That's the system it goes into. Somebody then screen your CV, they'll either reject you, automated reject, uh, reject uh, sorry, rejection email, uh, or move you to telephone screen, then first interview, second interview offer. Um, you know, the closest you will get to being screened by the bots, the, the applicant tracking system, is um, like keywords. So there might be keywords that are even matched up to the job description or advert that's loaded up into the system or that they might be manually put in. But only then will it then give a kind of percentage score. Um, So your name name will come up, you know, there's been 80 candidates applied and then next to the candidate might be a, this person's 56%, um, you know, right for the job, this person 82, this person 18%. But it just gets it wrong because no recruiter worth this or whatever believe it anyway. I've only only ever used two systems that would do that, never took any notice of it. And it wouldn't reject candidates if they've got under like a 20% score or anything. It just gave you a recommended score. And that's that's about the keywords. But then coming back to a well-written CV, a well-written CV will have those keywords in there. So if you're applying for a buyer job on, you know, women's jersey, your your CV will say buyer, will say women's wear, will say jersey, hopefully more than once. So you, it's going to kind of work anyway. AI is something, you know, artificial intelligence is something that will maybe come in, in, in the future when the systems get a bit better. Um, but no, I'm, 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 I'm fortunate that there's actually some really great people out there that do similar things to me. There's Becky Webber actually posted a video yesterday um, and she's done her own research talking to the boot of Bullhorn, which is one of the biggest um, HS providers. And the only time that they would, um, I think she said, the only time they would uh, kind of reject uh, an application was if you uploaded a, a CV that was um, like too big. So say you're uploading a portfolio, a 20 page portfolio full of images, the file size is too big. So you won't be able to. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, if, if they think it's an image. So say you scanned your CV and then saved it as a PDF, it might reject it because it thinks it's an image. Now, a PDF is perfectly fine, by the way, and a, C- and, and a Word doc. Um, so she had done some great research with um, Bullhorn. And also, a good friend of mine, Dominic Joyce, has done his own research in terms of um, what you know, asking in-house recruiters, what does your ATS actually do? And he asked, I think, 135 in-house recruiters. And only 12% of them said their ATS actually, um, you know, helps in searches for these keywords, um, uses this AI. So what I'm talking about where we'll give that percentage match, which I guess kind of, yeah, yeah it makes sense because I've used about 14 different systems and two of them have done that. So that's probably, yeah, probably not far off. Um, 
But like I said, even then, it's, it's not rejecting you. The only thing that's going to reject you is if they, if throughout the application process, it might ask for killer questions. So it might say, have you the right to work in the UK or in Australia, wherever the job is? Yeah. Yes or no. Um, have you got, and again, I'm not saying I agree with these. I'm just saying these are the kind of things um, you, you might come across. You know, have you got three years experience at talent, uh, talent acquisition manager level? Yes or no. And these are obviously questions that if somebody's answering no to these, they're going to get automatically rejected. But that's something, you know, that's information you are filling in, yes or no. And if you haven't got that experience, that's obviously what they're looking for, rightly or wrongly. That's obviously what they're looking for. Because I'll ask, well, what about if somebody's got two and a half years talent acquisition manager experience? They might be better than somebody who's got three and a half years because they've accomplished more in their role. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I think you, I think you sort of catch the drift of, of what I'm saying. So yeah, there's too many people out there, um, too many charlatans out there saying, "Oh, come to me, I will write a, uh, an ATS, um, you know, suitable CV." Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. It, as long as you're just keeping it, like we said, nice, clean, simple, well written on a Word doc PDF, you're going to be absolutely fine. Just, just keep away from graphs tables boxes it can you know find it hard to, to to kind of process and pass these but you know again it's not going to necessarily reject you just when the information goes into the, the ats and then somebody reads your cv it might get unformatted and look messy so just keep away from those sort of things anyway a nice clear neat document but i'm glad you brought that up because there's so many people just trying to it, it, it's, it's scare tactics and it's, it's myths that need to be kind of called out yeah, it's like it's they're creating an uh, almost a boogeyman sort of enemy that doesn't exist, uh, creating mm. a problem that doesn't exist, and then trying to sell you a solution. And for me, just as a reporter exactly. reading reading this, and then I'm just thinking, you know what? I've worked with top ATS systems, the most common ones, and even these will not will not filter stuff like badly formatted CVs or blank pages, literally I'll get a CV and then I'll open it and it's just a blank page or they, or let's say I'm working a cybersecurity role and I'll have a security guard apply to the role. Like that's the level of filtering that's happening. Just zero. It's just zero. Yeah. Unless I know it's only bullhorn. I think that, I, that does that rating almost percentage system, but no, also, so I've used it. There's, there's one over here called Live Hire, and then also there's one in the UK. And I was working for Audley Travel. I can't remember who, was it Taleo? Oh, I can't remember. Um, but there was another one. But yeah, there's not many of them. Not many of them do. And even when they do, you can't trust them because I, I would yeah. be a candidate that they're telling me, oh, this is a 12% match. And they, they, they looked absolutely brilliant. And then there's someone else that said, oh, this person's an 86% match. And you're like, how were they in 86% match? Um, so anyway, and it's still ain't as good as the information that's put into the system anyway. So if you're not kind of very specifically putting in those keywords and it's just pulling it from the job advert that you've written, most job adverts are pretty bad anyway. So it's not going to be a fair match. So totally agree. Uh, Russ, it's been amazing speaking with you. I mean, I think Me you covered tons of valuable little gems, tons of stuff that for for both recruiters, job seekers um, is probably amazing to know, at the very least interesting to know. And to, to find out more, where can people go to, to, to find you and find more information? Uh, well, yeah, look, look, look me up on LinkedIn is going to be the first place to come, I'd say. Um, I, you know, my, my handle is just job search coaching, um, which is my LinkedIn handle, but also come to my web, website, it's just www.bakesidesofthedesk.com. 
um, plenty of information, free information on there as well. But yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I love hearing from people. I, love, I just love speaking to people. I love helping people, whether that's recruiters just want to talk about job searching or, or people actually looking for a job, you know, do reach out. 100%. And for the listeners, you can find the links to, to Russ's website and LinkedIn in the episode description. And uh, very keen to follow your, your journey at both sides of the desk, uh, Russ. So let's catch up. Let's talk maybe a good few months from now to see how things have evolved. Um, but otherwise, thanks again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Jose. It was great speaking with Russ. You can find his LinkedIn and website details in the episode description. Don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast. Thanks again and stay safe.